Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to this video for the narration of the web series Undead, written by Nine Keys and taken from the website Royal Road. In this video we'll be doing chapters 29 and 30 and as always I hope that you enjoy and if you do please consider subscribing because if you don't there'll be an undead horde of ghouls after you and your dreams. Chapter 29 that which lurks within us, part two. If not for the recent events, Vandaleth would have found it difficult to believe everything the necromancer had said. The dread sovereign, this being wasn't some god looking down on him from afar, according to her. He was a consciousness that existed within the Death Stone, for as long as the stone had been in her position, years, he had been encroaching on her mind like some grim parasite. Even so, as far as the woman could tell, this being was only an amalgam of memories that somehow possessed a will of their own, influencing those within reach of the Death Stone's energies. More often than not, his words were like those of an automaton, acting as some kind of directive only he knew. Only when something particularly momentous occurred did the golem-like personality make way for a more human one. The Sovereign had taken an interest in the Necromancer, and for some inexplicable reason, an interest in Vanilith. Had he still trusted the Necromancer, he might have requested that she remove the stone from him at once, though such a task was probably impossible. The ritual you performed, Vanilith began, how would it have stopped the Dread Sovereign? Wouldn't getting me have freed the stone from my body? From what he could remember of the ritual, the Death Stone existed at his core, irrevocably fused with him. That lump at the center of his miasmic storm, whether it was a stone itself or some representation of his soul, was with the presence of the Dread Sovereign had emerged. Removing that core would be no different than killing him, and likewise, killing him would destroy the storm and grant it freedom. She sighed. If that botched ritual had succeeded, your filament, your soul-body connection, would have snapped. Then I would have trapped the Death Stone in the husk of your body and used the power of your own death. Your soul itself would have likely been pulled into the stone. At that point, the stone would have continued treating your body as its vessel, but its primary method of influence, you, would have been no more. It would have been completely sealed, but the master's reach would have been severely limited. Then, I would have had more time to plan my future steps. Vanilith wasn't quite sure how to react to hearing her speak so freely of her intended betrayal. Was she not concerned about him attacking her for a second time? Ah, don't worry about Master finding out, she said. He probably knows everything already. He isn't the type to punish an offender twice with a single crime. Again, it seemed that she was missing the point. Oddly, despite her frank attitude towards the treachery, he didn't grow angry. Perhaps it was because he understood her desperation. She had not acted out of malice towards him, but out of fear of the one pulling the strings. However, that was only if she were telling the truth. Assuming that she was, he didn't blame her. He had lost trust in her and possibly a measure of respect, but he didn't blame her. Then his brain caught up. You said twice he punished you already. Certainly, she replied, quieter than before. During the ritual, at that moment when you would have died, he reached out to me. He, um, he reminded me of that which was truly frightening. Her soft tone contrasted her actions. 
Though she tried to hide it, her fingers had begun to gouge deep grooves into the wood on the table. Just how strong was she? Vanilith came to a realization in that moment. The Dread Sovereign attacked you, your mind. Just like how the sight of that horrible eye had invaded his mind, something had happened to the necromancer as well. This explained her actions after he had awoken and seen her fleeing the sight of the ritual. She hadn't been scared of him at that moment, but of the thing residing in him. Perhaps that is what made her direct newborn ghouls to stop him. She laughed, but there was no humor in it. I wouldn't call it an attack. A scalding, perhaps. If a being driven insanity didn't qualify as an attack, then nothing did. The Dread Sovereign, he turned you into this thing, this lich. Her appearance continued to baffle him. What he sensed from this woman couldn't be put into words. Looking at her was a little like looking at a facade, a wooden puppet being manipulated by invisible strings. She corrected him. He gave me the knowledge necessary to carry out the transformation, but uh, I performed the steps on my own. It was a process that lasted two years and came to completion only yesterday. When you killed me, had I not wavered after reaching this land, I would have likely completed it long ago. So, he truly had killed her back then, though she'd already said as much. He still hadn't been sure. And the attuning you spoke of? Vanilith asked this question, not because he truly wished to know, but because he needed time to think. Parts of her story weren't matching up. The necromancer lifted her hands, revealing the protruding needles. These needles perform the roles of anchors because of my soul no longer resides in this body. I shouldn't be able to move of my own volition. Ayakina is assisting me by calling back my soul to the body connection. Whenever the tether drifts, the confusion may continue on for a day or more as I craft my false filament. I see, said Vanlith, though he didn't, not really. There was still the strange dissonance. Perhaps she hadn't necessarily lied to him, but certain details had been left out. Foremost amongst them, she was cursed by the presence of the Death Stone. But why hadn't she abandoned it long ago, thrown it down some dark pit, and fled? Not noticing his doubts, the necromancer continued. You getting me was severing my filament and was a final step in my long transformation. Had I died in my own terms, the tuning process wouldn't be necessary, and I would have retained more of my stats. But things are what they are. I will recover in time. And who was she running from in the first place? Was there a force more terrible than this entity that resided in the Death Stone? And why wouldn't she look at his face? The necromancer spoke. So, Vanilith. She splayed her hands out as if to show that she had no more hidden cards. I've told you my story. What will you do? I wouldn't blame you if you chose to leave, but all the same, I don't wish for that. Still seated, Vanilith didn't reply. Crossing his arms, he leaned back and thought. It was a pointed question, but he had one of his own. His speech had grown less stilted and less raspy throughout the short conversation, though he hadn't spoken much. Exercising his throat muscles once more, he asked, How do I recover my potential from Orimo and Anamu? She flinched slightly. Ah, yes, that. I would tell you as a sign of good faith, but I urge you not to do anything rash. That depends. Of course, it is quite simple. You shared your potential with them, correct? If another being were to slay them, their portion of potential would dissipate. Some would enter the person that killed them, but only a tiny amount. Virtually none would return to you. On the other hand, if you 
the one who granted them access to your world were to kill them yourself, the lost potential would return to you almost entirely. Had either of these peons been present, they might have felt a shiver run down their spines after looking at Vandalith. Was it truly such a simple fix? He stood and headed towards the exit. Vandalith, she exhorted, do not resort to such actions, not unless you see no further way forward. I understand, he said. However, it happens that I've encountered a war like the ones you spoke of. What else could this poor choice of future classes represent than a blockade? He would rid himself of Anabu first, to see if it made any difference. Of the two, he liked Kalakai the most, though the ghoul had a habit of staring to the sky whenever he wasn't following orders. They could be a great boon to you, Vanilith, a great boon, subordinate monstrous branded, such a thing has never been recorded in Vanilith. The tall white didn't halt, and was now stepping around Orimo who stood by the door, unable to understand the conversation. However, a sudden whisper from behind him made him stop. The woman's voice had changed, and she no longer spoke to him. He found her gripping the table once more, her hands like claws. I took notes, the necromancer whispered, watching vital signs fade. Some were more durable than others, taking hours to die. Sometimes they told me to channel the energy away from them, or concentrate it. The other researchers, they had more talent with the undead, but not me. I couldn't control them. No, I was given the living. The living. The living. They came in droves, herded like cattle into a small room. They thought the institute would be a kind to them, kinder than prison, kinder than debt collectors. But kindness is cruel. Criminals volunteered for this. Parents sold their children and hoped for a better life. I watched. I watched them all. I watched as men, women, children came to die. Cheeks withered. Their eyes sunk into the skulls, the black veins spreading. Then two twin girls and a boy begged, and I gave them a mercy and a brand blazed into existence on my flesh, like a sick mockery of the truth. The necromancer clutched her chest, heaving shuddering breaths. She continued choking out her words through the pain, but at that moment, Iokina stepped forth once again, repeating the same process as before. The two taps with the hammer on the protruding needles and one on the amulet, and then she retreated after placing the talisman in the woman's pocket. Then the necromancer collapsed in her chair, energy drained, like a puppet with its strings cut. Vandalith took one last look at her. Maybe he should reconsider his course of action. He would give it a day, at least. After exiting the cottage, a sound from behind him told him that Orimo had followed him. What did the two of you speak about? He asked in his spirit speech. Vandalith ignored the question. I've encountered a wall and someone with a brand. I wish to hear your opinion. Orimo broke into a jog to match Vanilith's long strides. Kalakai and Anamu, who had waited outside, soon fell into step behind them. Someone who once had a brand, replied the hunter. Vanilith glanced over at him. The hunter's bloodless face bore a wry smile. I no longer possess the blessings of Father Mountain. Death took that from me. He lifted his sleeve to reveal his shoulder, where a scorch mark painted his flesh like some great black bruise. This used to be my brand of temperance. I still seem to possess many of my former abilities, so it isn't all bad, you know. He lowered his sleeve, scratching his arm as if it itched a little. But that's enough about me. Tell me about this wall. Can't increase your level anymore. 
That isn't quite right, Vandalith said. It's my choice of classes. With a thought, he summoned his floating runes. You have qualified for a rank up. Select a class. Squire, Assassin, Berserker, Duelist. As expected, there was no change. You cannot see these, Vandalith asked, gesturing to the words. Arimo shook his head. If they are brand messages, then no. Only Yalu alone can see them. The small group came to a halt roughly a hundred yards from the cottage, where they wouldn't disturb the other ghouls. Vandalith explained his circumstances as he understood them, making it clear that he didn't see any of the options as a viable path forward. Orimo scratched his head, sighing. I still have trouble believing that you can have a class in the first place. Before I answer you, can you tell me whether you have two classes? I know that you possess two brands by looking at your forehead. I'm not sure the mistress herself has even realized it. She doesn't look at you very much. I only have one class. The other brand governs my evolutions, Vandalith said, tracing the red mark with his fingers. Mountain above, Arimo murmured. Does that brand give you levels and tiers? From what you told me, your class is level 40 or the peak of second tier. Is it the same for your, um, evolutions? Vandalith didn't see why the hunter was responding so heavily to everything, but he told Orimo all he knew, hoping that some mysteries could be cleared up at last. He read his status explaining his class and race levels, as well as the skills and abilities. Orimo appeared rather interested in his racial abilities and how they were different from his skills, which were part of his class. Were it anyone else, Vandalith wouldn't have spoken so freely of his strengths and weaknesses, However, he shared a pact with Orimo. This pact was even stronger than the necromancer's control over the hunter, so he held very little back. But he still didn't mention the Death Stone or the Dread Sovereign. It was unlikely Orimo would be any help in that regard. I see, the hunter said, once Vanilith had finished. This is quite the situation. I've never heard of anything like it before. What's your opinion on it? I'm working on it, he said, organizing his thoughts. Your brand of wrath, which controls your abilities and evolutions, is a third tier. Your brand of patience is tier two. Ugh. I sound strange when saying this. Normally, when we refer to tiers, it's in reference to a person, not a brand. And if I add yours together, you would be a fifth tier. But no. Your strength is tier three at most, and in that tier, you're middling, maybe. Banleth frowned and held his tongue. Orimo saw the look. It's true, your stats are impressive, but not much else. I'll explain about that later. For now, a warning. You want to rank up your class, right? This is what you're worried about. He nodded. Arimo scratched his chin. Don't do it. Don't rank up. Focus on your race levels and your abilities. Just forget about classes. Vandalith stared him down without replying. Was this all the wisdom the hunter had to give to him? It's simple, Arimo explained. Your brands, they're too divergent. Wrath and patience, those are as close to opposites as you can get. Tell me, when you evolved last time, did you notice yourself growing angrier at the things that wouldn't have bothered you before? Suddenly, things began to click into place for Vanlith. He had, and the scene on the grove earlier was a testament to that. Even prior to the ritual, he noticed himself growing frustrated more easily, with both the necromancer and Adamu. He had to stop himself from physically lashing out multiple times. Unconsciously, he had attributed this to increased intelligence after his evolution. But if this wasn't the case, that would be the brand influencing you. 
The third tier is where it really begins. Right now, the calling of patience is much weaker, so you haven't noticed it. Wrath is a higher tier, so it's dominant in your mind. It'll change if you rank up your class. Vandalus spoke. But this seems like a good thing. Wrath is uncontrolled and volatile. Perhaps patience is needed to temper it. It. You. You aren't worried. Perhaps you don't understand. These brands aren't compatible. True brands and false brands are like two warring tribes. They can never reach an understanding with one another. You're inviting these two tribes into your head. Stuck in together, they'll tear you apart. And it only gets worse with time. Never better. Banalith understood where the hunter was coming from, but to never increase his class for going half of his power. Without his class, would he even be able to use his blade? He turned to Kalakai, who was currently leaning against his spear like it was a walking stick. Kalakai, Banalith called. The spearman turned to him. Do you possess a class? He shook his head. Your brand is racial then? He nodded. Vandalith was taken aback at this. He was certain the ghoul had possessed the class such as Spearman or some other analogue to his own swordsmanship class. However, if he didn't and still possessed that level of skill with a spear, perhaps classes weren't as vital as he thought. Maybe he could abandon his own. As if the idea that he might back down out of fear caused disgust to rise in him like bile in his throat. No... He would continue. If he abandoned his strength, he would never be able to rise above those who looked down on him, treating him like an expendable toy. Whether it was a necromancer or the dread sovereign, he wouldn't back down, not after a single taste of defeat, and certainly not by the threat of defeat. He made his decision. Tell me how to progress, Arimo. That deadly route that he glimpsed during his last rank up, he would find a path to tread it once more. Danger, insanity, whatever maybes that loomed ahead didn't frighten him. However, the idea of giving up did. I thought you might say that, said the hunter with a sigh. Don't say that I didn't warn you. Since you've made your decision, I can help you out a little. Your issue with the class selection is simple. Lots of branded have had this sort of problem before. It is far easier to fix than increasing your level capacity. That was my own issue when I was alive, you see. Spit it out. Why did everyone feel the need to preface their explanations with even more explanations? You need to train, he grumbled. Your skill levels are too low, so you're getting options for weaker classes. Lucky for you, I'm pretty good hand at this sort of thing. End of chapter. Chapter 30. Rematch. Norimo didn't share the pale complexion of his fellow ghouls. Years of sunlight exposure and the altitude turned him, making him an odd duck amongst the children of the mountain. His proud cheeks and peaked nose, along with the weathered skin, made him look older than he truly was, and without his hunter's headdress, his below-average height became clear. He cut an odd contrast with the tall, bone-white vanilith. If not for the white tangle of hair and frayed clothing, the following scene might have looked like an elderly peasant lecturing some sheltered aristocrat. The hunter hummed to himself. Where to start? Hmm. Arimo sat on the ground, crossing both of his legs and arms and closing his eyes, deep in thought. I wish to understand more about this class system. What skills have to do with it? Supplied Vanilith. 
Right, you're a rookie at this after all. Before I get into that, can you tell me if you got both of the brands at the same time, or separately? Separately, though on the same day, he replied. And how long ago was that? Two days ago. Or perhaps it was three days ago. Vanilith had lost track of the time after encountering the last ritual. The hunter's eyes flew open. Rienni? Vanilith nodded. Was that fast? Many other ghouls had done the same, evolving at least once, or in Anamu's case, twice. Aramo himself had started off as a greater ghoul, though the trade-off in his case might have been losing his brand. You must have killed a lot of people, Aramo finally said. He didn't look upset, just thoughtful. Ghouls, humans, and spirits. Right, I won't even bother asking how you managed the last one. I guess it makes sense, you've seen a lot of battle. I've heard stories of Branded joining wars and accomplishing similar feats. Leveling through bloodshed only works until either they reach the limit of their talent or they encounter the same problem as you. But never mind that. I asked you that question because I wanted you to understand how quickly you trained those skills of yours. I was also wondering whether your abilities increased more quickly than your skills. But if you got the Brands at the same time, it's too early to tell. And is it my skills that I need to increase? Arimo had said much already. Vandalith would find the path again by honing his skills at desired class. Swordsmanship, poise, and conceptualization were the skills related to duelist, and it was these he would work on. You need to work on anything and everything that will give you an edge. But yes, skills are more important if you're hoping for a rare class. At tier 2, the highest you can train your skills is to level 4. Training my archery that high took me years but something tells me that it won't take you that long. The highest? There's a limit to my skills. Ah, yes. Yes, there is. Sorry, I haven't ever trained a Brander before, so I forgot that it was like that for me, Arima said, scratching his head. Hadn't he claimed earlier that he was a pretty good hand at this? Skill caps are a very important concept to us, Branded, he said. Probably one of the most important things. It essentially goes like this. The highest you can train a skill is decided by your tier, not class, rarity, or talent, but tier alone. At tier 1, the highest level you can reach is level 2. At tier 2, it's 4. At tier 3, it's 6, and so on. Before you killed me, my archery skill was at level 6 and my knife work was at level 5. Those were my main skills, though I had plenty of others. Since your class is tier 2, if you want to try and upgrade from an uncommon to rare, you should at least try to reach level 3 in swordsmanship and one other skill, though level 4 is one of them would improve your chances. Interesting. So the tier in his class dictated the level of his skills. Was it the same for his racial abilities? Their abilities influence his evolution. It seemed likely, but none of the abilities were level 3, and despite that, he had attained a rare race of white. Perhaps evolutions operated under a different principle. He doubted that his innate abilities gave him a better shot at a rare race, since the abilities were shared by other ghouls as well. He would have to worry about that later. Then, he said, can I still increase my swordsmanship by two levels? He turned to Anamu, drawing his sword. You, fight me. The ghoul looked up from where he was digging up the ground half-heartedly and widened his eyes like a rat that had just spotted a fox. Orimo interjected, Hey, hey, hey! What are you doing? Vandalith shot him a look. Training. What, by dicing up your friend? He doesn't even have a weapon. Do you want him to block your sword with his ugly face of his? 
I'm here to help, so let me do my thing, and we haven't finished our talk. Very well, Vanilus said, turning his blade towards the hunter. He had been hoping that this would happen. He wanted to fight this man again. Though it resulted in his evolution, the previous fight had been far too quick. Up until now, his greatest strides had been made in the field of battle. Arimo held up his hands. Wait, you still haven't? Vanilith blasted towards him, closing the gap between them in a heartbeat. But instead of shock on his partner's face, he saw Arimo's lips unexpectedly curve upwards. That was all the warning he got. In the next instant, a blur shot at him. Vanilith couldn't change his momentum or move his sword to block in time. The knife thudded against his chest. One. He barely felt it. Vanilith reached him with a sweep of his sword, but Arimo dropped as if the ground had fallen out from under him, passing under the blade and barely an inch to spare. He caught himself as his hands were performing a push-up, and then he shot backwards on all fours and disappeared into the tall grass. Vanilith darted after him, but the ghoul was nowhere to be seen. He lowered himself, peering around, searching for the telltale swaying of the grass. The wind was blowing, so he watched for sections that moved unevenly against the breeze. Was his quarry staying still? Were that the case, he couldn't have gone too far. Vanilith began to scan the ground, scouring every foot of earth, but Arimo was nowhere to be found. Just as he was beginning to think it odd and the sense of smell hadn't picked up the hunter yet, Vanilith realized the trick. Arimo had maneuvered downwind of him. This realization made him freeze for a fraction of a second. Downwind was behind him. Vanilla threw himself to the ground, but not before a second knife embedded itself in his back. Two. Ability increased. Tough skin goes from one to level two. He growled in frustration, rising to his feet and whirling around, expecting to see nothing but empty field. His expectations were betrayed once again. Arimo, bent low, was dashing towards him, weaving through the grass like a snake. Vanlith raised his sword just in time to deflect a third throwing knife. The metal collided, then high notes singing out, and a smaller blade windmilled off into the distance. He brought his weapon down, only for Arimo to meet it with a dagger, deflecting the force of Vanlith's strike to the side. After parrying, Arimo slipped to the close and drove a dagger up a second time. But Vanlith was faster. He saw the blow coming and dodged, pivoting around and bringing the sword down a second time. He was no longer wielding a blade in both hands, however, and with his free hand he reached the hunter's overextended wrist. Arimo's eyes widened, and he was forced to put more force into his forward momentum to avoid Vanilith's second strike. However, this resulted in his wrist getting caught. Vanilith now controlled the opponent's weapon hand, but the white still had to be careful and more throwing knives from the second hand. This time, when he brought his sword back up, Vanilith led with his pommel, he wasn't going to kill the hunter a second time, but he wanted to give him at least one solid hit. Arimo dropped his dagger, catching it with his other hand, driving it up towards Vanilith's restraining arm. He was forced to let the hunter go and jump back, but Arimo was ready for the move, already pushing in at Vanilith before he knew what was going to do. He continued to backpanel, avoiding the swift jabs. Thanks to Arimo's cunning assault, he wasn't able to regain his momentum. His adversary was too close, and with his dagger, he was far quicker to land strikes than Vanilith was with his larger sword. It was a testament to his high agility that he was able to keep dodging, though only barely. This state of affairs could only go on for so long. 
Eventually, Arimos stepped in, striking at Vanilith's side, but when he dodged, he found that Arimos' foot had hooked behind his own, and the hunter had tripped him. Vanilith flung his sword behind him intentionally, with the intention of hitting the ground and rolling and picking it up again. But Arimo fell upon him, putting his arms under his knees. By the time he came to his senses, the dagger was at his throat. Three. That's three times you died, he grinned. Now this is more like it. <laughs> when was the last time I felt like this? Vanilith heaved and shoved off the hunter and picked up his sword. Well now, motivation is good, but let's call it here. I have a feeling the mistress won't like me poking you full of many more holes. Vanilith violently sheathed his sword, growling. He felt the red mist rising and he struggled to push it away. I was only killed once, he replied after regaining a modicum of control. Body blows aren't fatal. Laughing, Arimo pointed his knife hilt sticking out of Vanilith. Trust me, I could have just easily as launched those at your head. Then I would have seen them coming more easily and avoided them. He had dodged the hunter's attacks before, back on standing stone. You would have seen a knife coming towards the back of your skull. I don't care. Call it one death if you want. That's all your enemy needs. This was a one-time spa, though. You can't train like this repeatedly. You won't last a dozen more matches, undead or not. Orimo approached Vanilith, holding out his hand, but it wasn't to help him up. He was already on his feet. Then why? Nah... Vanilith pulled out the knife in his chest and handed it to its owner. Then, because he couldn't reach the knife at his back, he let Orimo tug it free. He watched as the black echo slowly began to seep out of the wound on his chest. It didn't spray everywhere like living blood might, but the progress was steady. We'd better wrap that up, the hunter said. I don't know if you can heal, but leaking everywhere is considered a bad sign where I'm from. Vanilith motioned Kanakai over, giving him instructions, and his peon went off to fetch some cloth. It would probably come off some other ghoul's back, but that wasn't his concern. Let this be a lesson, said Orimo after the spearman left. It's a lesson for all of us branded to have to learn at some point. Stats are only secondary. They help, and crushing rocks with your hands is good in pressing people, but the true measure of a branded strength is their skills. Did that fight help you see the difference between a skill at a level 5 and one at level 2? Vanilith was already replaying the jewel in his head. He had been both stronger and faster than Orimo and with better reach and that. But it hadn't mattered. The hunter had toyed with him. Had they been fighting in an area where Orimo couldn't hide, he should have won. But that was just the whining of a loser. There was very few arenas with no obstacles. After a long pause, Vanilith finally replied, You said your skill level is 5, but you lost your brand. You don't have skills anymore, correct? Orimo looked up, blinking a few times, as if he hadn't considered that. Huh, I guess you're right. I don't feel too different though, so let's pretend I do. Hmm, you weren't as strong when I fought you before either. Of course, scoffed the hunter. I was wounded, barely standing. The injury on my stomach prevented me from drawing back my bowstring that far, and my stamina was shot long before the battle ever began. Trust me, if I were at full strength, you wouldn't have stood a chance. Vanilith took a moment to observe the boastful ghoul. He gave off a different impression than he expected, and Vanilith was surprised to find his anger slumping through the cracks as he continued to speak with this man. Arimo seemed far more easygoing in death than in life. Not that Vanlith had known him then. But I was surprised myself, said Orimo, dragging himself away from speaking about himself. 
Most rookies aren't able to even see my attacks coming. Do one of your skills or abilities help with perception? You told me their names, but I never got a description. It's here but while we wait for Kalakai. Vandalith, though rankled at being called a rookie, was brought back down to earth by Arimo's question. He began to realize that he might just be an idiot. Since his evolution, he'd been able to read his status, but with the rapid motion of events, he had forgotten to inspect anything beyond his titles. He didn't know what most of his skills even did. Arimo, don't tell the necromancer anything I reveal. The hunter nodded. It'll stay between us. And Vanlith knew that it would. Though the man served her in all other things, their pact would see that his secrets were kept safe. Howl, level one. You have become able to infuse your voice within Mysma, allowing you to intimidate any being that can hear you. This ability allows you to impose your will on weaker miasmic creatures. Miasmic Sight, Level 2 You have learned to sense miasma, the energy of death. Each level increases the clarity with which you can sense this energy. Tough Skin, Level 2 You have taken on so much damage that your body has begun to adapt to the abuse. Your skin has become more resilient to cutting and piercing blows. There is a smaller effect against other types of damage. Swordsmanship, Level 2 Your capacity to wield the sword has been recognized. Boys, level 1. You have increased awareness and placement of your feet in position with your body in space. Conceptualization, level 2. Your grasp of your surroundings has reached new levels. You are able to picture an area after seeing it for only a short time. You can derive knowledge on things around you from less information than before. Dominate, level 1. You have become adept at imposing your will on others. Your aura is one that commands respect and fear. Those that have submitted to you obey your orders more fervently. Those with weak wills bend before you like reeds before the storm. At some point during his explanation, Karakai returned and Orimo began cutting the shirt he brought with him into strips with his knife. As he bound Vanilith's chest, he nodded along with the descriptions of his skills and abilities. Vanilith thought that it was some information was lacking in places, but the hunter didn't share that view. Perhaps that meant that this was normal. Interesting, he said when Vanlith had finished. That answers my first question. You don't have a perception ability, but the skill you do have might be even better. Tell me, what do you think your first most important skill might be, other than swordsmanship? Vanlith thought, for a warrior, in battle, coordination and footwork is important as his control of the blade. Dominate had the most impressive description, but Vanlith didn't think it was nearly as useful in battle. That left, Poise, isn't it? Hmm, good guess, but no, Arimo said. That's a skill that I have some experience with, though I've never had it myself. Conceptualization is the one I was thinking of. Vanlith studied the description of the skill in question. It, uh... Improves my memory. Other than that, it helps me gather information. Is that what you mean? It doesn't seem very useful in a fight. Arumo scratched his chin. No, I think it's a lot more than that. Close your eyes and I'll prove it. I won't stab you again. Don't worry. Go ahead. Vanilith did just as he asked before hesitating. He listened for Arumo, wondering what the hunter was up to. A slight rustling from his left led him to shifting his weight on his right foot as he rotated around. Then something came whipping through the grass and he raised his arm defensively. 
Something bounced off his wrist, and he opened his eyes to find a small stone falling to the ground. It hadn't been thrown very hard. Orimo must have had the noises on purpose, or he would never have heard a thing. What was that supposed to prove? asked Vanilith. Prove? Prove? How many people do you think can block a projectile without looking? Sure, I was noisy, but that kind of reaction isn't normal. Orimo was standing off to the side with an armful of rocks. He dropped them when he saw Vanilith's look. The white folded his arms, realizing the point of Orimo's demonstration. You mean, that was conceptualization at work? Right. I noticed it during the fight, said Orimo. Your senses aren't anything special, though they're sharper than a normal human's. The same can be said for the other ghouls. What you're good at is taking every bit of sensory information from your surroundings and acting on it. I'd bet my goat that skill is the reason. If you could get perception skill in addition to those skills you have now, maybe something eyesight or hearing related, you might end up stronger than my intuition. Intuition? Ah, it's a skill I have... had... that saved my hide several times. It's similar to your conceptualization, in a way. It honed my instincts, sometimes for no obvious reason. I'd get a feeling that I was about to do something dangerous, or I knew a monster was waiting to ambush me behind a tree. That sort of thing. It was even more useful in battle. After Orimo's explanation, Vanilith began to recall a few things. It had been after the fight with Iokina that he first realized a sort of improved awareness. Several times he had pictured the surroundings clearly, even after closing his eyes, and by meditating he had been able to train in his head, improving other skills, such as poise and miasmic sight. Orimo's intuition operated on an idea of instinct, or unconscious information gathering. Vanilith's conceptualization was the opposite. It thrived on the conscious thought. Finally, they achieved similar things. The true value of the hunter's advice was being made clear. These abilities felt such a natural part of himself that it took Orimo's intervention to point out the effects that they had on him. A grin began to form on Vandalith's face. Even if the two of them didn't spar, having a perceptive man like Orimo point things out like this, things that should have been obvious, was greatly helpful. Conceptualization would be vital in his training from here on out. There was so much to learn. Ranking up mindlessly, he was more glad than ever that he hadn't impulsively chosen a class the day before. There were many paths of progression available to him, even without increasing his level. He needed to think carefully of how he would proceed from here on out. End of chapter And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.